Hey, all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Thank you for joining me today for the second part of this surprise series that's coming around the celebration of the release of the song, Abide. I hope you've been able to stream the song and sing the song like a prayer in these days. Thank you to all of you who have left comments and messages and have storied about the song to share it with friends. I feel like it feels more important and timely than ever to sing what's true together. And I hope that this new song has just been a really sweet part of that in your life this past week and in the weeks to come. Well, as I said in the last episode, I personally love having a song to sing that comes around John 15, the way that Abide does. And because this call to abide in Christ really is so essential for those who follow Jesus. It's the difference between striving and rest, chaos and peace. And at its very core, we find our identity. We were made to depend on God for our every need, for our inner life with God to be a partnership with the Holy Spirit where His strength and power, His love, His life, His goodness and trueness are ever available to us when we yield our lives to Him and we live from Him, not just with Him and for Him, but from Him. The call is not to abide with Jesus, it's to abide in Jesus. I will tell you this, abiding doesn't happen overnight. It really is, as Eugene Peterson wrote, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It takes time to abide and grow into the life of Jesus. We have to be willing to give of our time, to sit with Him, to learn to discern his voice, to find the dwelling place he's prepared for us in him. As Andrew Murray says, where our whole life and every moment of it might be spent and where the work of our daily life might be done as we enjoy unbroken communion with him. And that is the beauty that we can grow into when we're willing to give him the time. It can become second nature where you're living life in the spirit as opposed to living life just in the natural or in the flesh. When I was writing my book, I kept coming around to wanting to put something about surrender in the subtitle because as I've said many times, surrender and trust begin to equal abiding rest in our lives. But my publishing team was like, "Um, it won't work. No one wants to read a book about surrender. (laughs) They were like, the life you long for, a heart of rest, yes, all day long. But no one wants to sit down and study what it looks like to yield our lives in surrender. Yet if there's one essential element to learning how to abide in Jesus, it is surrender. And by surrender, and hang here with me for just a minute, this is powerful, I mean an actual death to ourselves, our ambitions, our wants and longings in order to embrace the life that Jesus truly offers us. 
This is where many give up because it's such a conflicting message than the one we hear all around us every day. The message that tells us to wholeheartedly pursue our dreams and our destiny and to go hard after the things we want. Is this a part of what God has for us? Yes, but how we get there makes all the difference in the world and in eternity. True discipleship is costly. Many of you are gonna shake your head yes when I say this next statement, but we can only live our fullest, freest life when we first die to ourselves, when our life's treasure is Jesus, where we live in allegiance to Him alone, where all our ambitions and affections begin to point towards just being in relationship and communion with Him. This is why the kingdom of God is said to be upside down from the world. This is probably my daughter Ellie's favorite C.S. Lewis quote. It's from Mere Christianity, and it speaks so beautifully of what it looks like to die to the old self and put on the new self and all that we stand to actually gain. He says this, your real new self, which is Christ's, and also yours, and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for Him. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, for more everyday matters. Even in social life, you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you are making. Even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without caring two pence how often it has been told before, you will nine times out of 10 become original without ever having noticed it. The principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body. In the end, submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find Him and with Him everything else thrown in. I know that deep down most of us know that surrendering is ultimately the way to abiding rest, but sometimes we just need encouragement around knowing what that looks like in the mundane and in the crazy pace of this thing called life. Before we talk about more mundane matters, I wanna just go back to the basics on a few things just to get your wheels turning again in your heart around how God has made you specifically to be in relationship with Him. First of all, if you consider yourself a born-again Christian, meaning that there was a point in your life where you realized your need for a Savior and you chose to turn from the way that you were living, to give your life totally and completely to Jesus by asking Him out loud to forgive you of your sin and to turn from it and to ask Him to save you, this means that you are now a spirit being who is born of His Spirit the Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter three, we get to see an encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews at the time. We see Nicodemus's curiosity and wonder as he approaches Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. But I love how Jesus just goes after the heart of the matter with Nicodemus as he replies, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, Nicodemus isn't quite following as he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you. By the way, when he says truly twice here, again, truly is the Greek word, amen, or amen, like we say at the end of a prayer, as in, let it be. But it can also be said at the beginning of a sentence to show that what I'm about to say is of the utmost importance, as in, this is like life or death stuff here, so listen up. (laughs) But then he says, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus is making the distinction here between the natural life and the spiritual life. Before someone becomes born of the spirit, they don't long for or welcome the life that God has for them. They are not alive to those things. But when we become born again, we become born of the Spirit, dead to sin and now alive to God. And believe it or not, just as we heard in the Andrew Murray quote earlier, the whole of our mundane is actually meant to be experienced by living in partnership with the Holy Spirit. This affects our yeses and our noes, the decisions we make, the thoughts we think, how we go about our days, our weeks, our months, our years. I spent a lot of my young adult life looking back with, without being very intentional and living from my spirit or in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Instead, I would just go through seasons where I would just kind of go through life having one knee-jerk reaction after another to just whatever life was throwing at me at the time. My prayer life was pretty much non-existent at times, unless I wanted something, of course, (laughs) and I lacked intentionality with myself, and then because of that, I lacked intentionality with the people around me. But as I keep growing in what it looks like to abide in Jesus, aka to live life in the Spirit, not only am I learning to be intentional in leading myself well, spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will, I'm also learning to be intentional with others. How can I be a person of peace for those around me, to offer them a heart at rest whenever they encounter me, to point them to Jesus, to encourage them out of my own encouragement in Christ? It's something I'm still growing in. And that's it. It's that, it's that bullseye I talk about in the book, The Life You Long For. You could also just call the bullseye abiding in Christ. There are no new truths under the sun. Living from the bullseye with Jesus is us embracing our identity as the beloved of God and living from the supernatural supply that He is. We were never meant to live the Christian life. We were always meant to let Christ live His life in us and through us. 
I said earlier that this takes time. Andrew Murray also said this on abiding. Anyone who wants to learn to abide in Jesus must take time each day before reading, while reading, and after reading to put himself in contact with the living Jesus. He must yield himself distinctly and consciously to his blessed influence, giving him the opportunity to take hold of him so that he may draw him up and keep him safe in his almighty life. I've come to realize that beyond salvation, where we were first taken hold of and drawn up by God and kept in his almighty life, There is still yet again and again a yielding to the living Lord, a being still in his presence so that he can again take hold of us and draw us up and keep us safe in his life. Does it mean that he ever let us go? No, it's just that we have a tendency to drift. Hebrews 2 gives us a warning about drifting away from the Lord, and Hebrews 5 talks about becoming dull of hearing. There's many different ways that we can drift in these days. It could just be neglect, numbing out, being slothful and lazy, which I can be guilty of, or just choosing things that make us feel good rather than choosing to yield ourselves to Him and even ask Him, Lord, where are you working in my life today? It's in that kind of drawing near to him that he draws near to us once more. I told you in the last episode that I've been struggling with some physical ailments for the past year and a half. I think that that mixed with loads of travel and even all that my sweet mama has been going through, I was in a rough place at the beginning of this year. 2021 was even harder for me than 2020. And it just took its toll on me. In fact, I was feeling a bit of writer's block when it had come to creativity and songwriting. And if I'm honest with you, I had allowed some anger to creep into my heart that I didn't even realize was coming between the Lord and I. It started out, when I look back on it, with disappointment. I was genuinely disappointed that I was having to have a CT scan the week that my book released. I remember laying there just thinking like, what in the world? This was not what I thought this week was gonna look like. I had worked so incredibly hard to get to that point. This book started to stir in me years ago, but even when I actually had a book deal on the table, it still took me like two years to complete it. I've never worked that hard on anything in my whole life and I was ready to share it with the world. And yet that same week that I was getting a CT scan, my mom was getting all kinds of scans and the doctors were throwing around words like hospice. And like I said in the last episode, I had tons of vision and was ready to share it. But the physical limitations and the hardship seemed to just blanket the release of my book in a lot of ways and it still continued to be a struggle, if I'm really honest. But here's the scary thing. What started with disappointment turned into discouragement. And then I found myself with my feelings really hurt by God. And then I realized that I had full-blown anger, a war going on in my spirit as I had allowed my circumstances to interfere with my obedience and my allegiance to Jesus, therefore my peace and my abiding rest in Him. And here's the thing, I wasn't walking around with a scowl on my face. I wasn't walking around uttering mean phrases about God or ignoring Him altogether. 
Instead, I had just subtly drifted. I wasn't spending as much time just being still with him. I wasn't cultivating time in his presence and being intentional to say, Jesus, I surrender. I yield my whole life to you today. Well, one night in early spring of this year, Nathan had taken Annie to a dinner and a movie, and I found myself on our front porch just by myself, or so I thought. (laughs) As I sat there, I became very aware of the fact that I was very much not alone. (laughs) And also, I just had this pressing on my heart to just talk to God out loud. So I began to open my mouth and my heart, and I began to just tell God out loud all the things that were stirring in me. And then I began to confess to Him and to repent for allowing my disappointment to develop into anger. And I just laid it all out there in front of Him. And then with tears streaming down my face, I went for the part of the conversation that I couldn't have articulated before this moment, but somehow I knew it was in there and needed to come out. The weeks prior to this had been particularly weird and hard with my physical state, so much that we had to cancel some meetings and things. And yet, like I said, I felt like I had so many dreams and visions for 2022, but where I ultimately had to eventually just land was to say, God, for whatever reason, even though we've asked, I acknowledge that you are not taking this away from me right now. For whatever reason, you're not choosing to lift this. And I just sat in that for a minute. And I realized that I had a choice before me. I could allow these circumstances to keep standing in the way of me choosing abiding rest in Jesus. Or I could respond like the remembering one that he made me to be. As I kept sitting in the quiet, the only way that I know how to describe this moment was that I saw God see me. And I realized that I hadn't let myself be seen like that in a really long time. As he's done many times in my life before, it's as if I was back to being seven-year-old me when I used to sit with him on our back porch. It was the first time I remember being aware of his presence back then, that he was just with me. And for the next hour or so, it was as if I was back there and I just sat with him, sometimes singing, sometimes crying out, sometimes sitting in silence. And I remember at one point looking at him and saying out loud, this is it, isn't it? This is what you want from me. This is what you love. And with all my heart, I heard him say, yes, (laughs) as if he was just smiling when he said it. And then it was as if he just spoke volumes to my spirit in just a few sentences. But the gist was this. Sweetheart, your dreams and your visions for 2022 are great and all, but nothing will ever compare or be more important than you just being at home in me. As I sat there just (laughs) sobbing at this point, I realized that he knows me well enough to know And I said this out loud to him that it's quite possible that that moment would never have existed had I not been facing the physical hardship that was weighing down on me 
one that the enemy was definitely trying to use to cause a wedge between God's heart and mine, but one that the Lord was no doubt using in that moment to afford me something greater than any of my own dreams and visions for this year could have ever given me. And that's when I said it. And before I tell you what I said, I want to make it clear that I believe that this was the Spirit of God in me and through me that stirred me to even think this thought. There's no way I could think this thought in and of myself. I believe it was the response of being a spirit, being born of his spirit, a remembering one. A daughter who had just let herself be seen by her father again, to lean back into his arms once more, to remember that no matter what happens to my physical body, I am safe in his almighty life. I said, Lord, if you're not going to lift this, I love you. If the Lord makes a way, I hope to share with you later this year the songs that have stirred from this place of just returning to my father that night on the porch in such a way that I'm marked forever by the way that I saw him see me. And I'm marked by how I saw myself when his eyes were on me fullest, freest me, a loved child beyond anything imaginable, and his goodness and trueness. It was as if he was just smiling, getting to pour it out over me. It was like being there in his presence with him. I couldn't go wrong. In the end, it deepened and stirred my affections for him all over again. I could somehow separate all of life's stuff, all the distractions and the circumstances, and I could just see him for who he is and me for who I am, and everything in my world came together again. I'm beyond grateful to the Lord for the many times in my life that he has cleaned and pruned me, and this was definitely one of them. (laughs) Jesus talks about that in John 15. He's already cleaned and pruned us, but yet he is still cleaning and pruning us. And I'm so grateful that he's revealed to me and he reveals to us many times just the frail branch that we really are and how desperately we need him. But also what a tiny frail branch can look like when we're connected to the life sap that comes from the vine who is Jesus. We can bear much fruit. He offers all of himself to us, the frail branch As we yield to him and we trust him, he allows the fullness of himself, the risen Lord, to flow into us so that we can pour it out and share his life with those around us. It brings a whole new meaning to singing the words, for my waking breath, for my daily bread, I depend on you. I depend on you for the sun to rise for my sleep at night. I depend on you because you're the way, the truth, and the life. You're the well that never runs dry. I'm the branch, and you are the vine. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Be my strength, my song in the night. Be my all, my treasure, my prize. I am yours forever, you're mine. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Where the Spirit leads as I'm following I depend on you. I depend on you for the victories still in front of me. I depend on you. 
And that last verse, when I pass through death, as I enter rest, I depend on you for eternal life to be raised with Christ. I depend on you. Jesus, we depend on you. And you are dependable, Jesus. What a juxtaposition, this invitation of getting to abide in you and even depend on you. What what a vivid contrast against a world that feels more and more chaotic by the day. Yet you are here today offering yourself to us, the God who sees. And I have a feeling that just collectively, we all just wanna take a minute to just respond to you and even just thank you for being a God who responds to us. That you see us, Lord, as loved children beyond anything we can imagine. Your goodness and trueness just pouring out and your, your smile pouring out over us today. We wanna receive that again over our lives today. I believe that you are a God who responds to our confession, our repentance, to our consecration, the laying down and surrendering of our all to you again. And our conversation, when we choose to actually just use our words with you and lay out everything in front of you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and show us even now where you are working in our lives. We wanna be in partnership with you. Would you even begin to show us and help us name it if there's anything that stands in the way of our union with Jesus, our abiding rest in him, of us being able to fully yield our hearts to you today. And even if there's something, God, that we're waiting on, Lord, that you maybe haven't lifted, let our hearts to say, Jesus, I still choose to love you in this. I will love you in it. You might even wanna just say that to the Lord today. God, I love you in this. Whatever it is that you're sitting in, maybe a circumstance that you're just waiting on or you're longing for the Lord to answer. Maybe just tell him, I love you in this today. And God, I yield my heart to you. I surrender afresh to you, my life, my calling, my dreams and plans and visions, my family, my affections. God, I wanna come home to you, to be at home again in you and in your presence, to cultivate time with you, Show me what unbroken communion with you can really look like in the mundane in these days where we're just tracking with you, Lord, where we're depending on you for decisions we need to make, for the strength we need, relying on you, Holy Spirit, to counsel us in real time, to ask you what you think about what we're going through, to ask you to reveal things to us and give us wisdom and discernment in these days. Help us sink deeper into your life, Jesus, where our union with you makes more sense than anything else in the world. That's just where we are in this moment, Jesus. Where else would we go? You have the words of life. Maybe you just wanna tell him that personally right now. Where else would I go, Lord? And just remember again out loud that he is the words of life. He carries the words of life. 
Yes, Lord, you are what we need and we admit that and we see it and we come back fully to you, Jesus. Keep us in your almighty life. In Jesus' name. And so it be. (laughs) Until next time, friends. I'll talk to you soon.